Welcome to the Voice of Aged Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Badgick-Smith, and in over a decade, I have supported hundreds of older adults to improve their well-being in late life. This podcast offers an authentic insight into aged care, practical tips, and all the inspiration to keep you going. I truly believe that every older person needs to feel heard, loved, and understood. And it is my mission to halve the depression rates in Australian aged care facilities by 2022. Welcome everyone. Today I've got a very special guest with me today, Joanna Hare. She's a registered music therapist and I've had a lot of interest in the benefits of music therapy for quite a long time, particularly as I know how beneficial music is for the elderly and their well-being. But there's a big difference between me explaining it and having a qualified music therapist explain it. So welcome, Joanna. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me. Now, would you be able to tell our listeners, please, what what is a music therapist? A music therapist is a person who has trained uh, in both music and therapy. And we we use music to um, support people uh, through their health functioning and well-being. the it's a diverse practice because we work in um you know we work with all sorts of clients all client populations age care um uh, uh learning disabilities in adults children mental health uh, early childhood so many areas and uh there are lots of you know different people doing it um yeah, so it's a, it's a diverse practice. It is so beautiful and I didn't realise about the role of music therapy even with children until I recently enrolled my daughter in some music um, play activities and just how much she thrives in it even though, you know, her language is not developed quite yet because she's not even two but she does in music. So I can see the, the benefits of it across the lifespan but I'm particularly interested to hear how you got into aged care. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, I was thinking about this question, and I have always been interested in this population. Um, I do remember going to visit uh, an aged care facility when I was young with my sister to play the violin. So it's just a, it's just an area, it's just an age that I've always been interested in aged care. And it's a, a client population that I'm comfortable with. Um, and I love, I, I love finding out, I love history and I love finding out people's stories and, and, um, you know, the story, their backstories really, because I know often what you see in an aged care facility is, you know, someone who is older and maybe, you know, doesn't have that many abilities. Uh, but I love the fact that at one stage they were, you know, young and vibrant with fascinating lives or maybe just ordinary lives, but with, you know, lives that they've lived and, and are meaningful. Yeah. And so with your, you know, 
with your experience in HK, so you started visiting when you were young, but how did you go about, because you've, you've had your business, the music play for the last 10 years, how did you actually get to get into HK? care? Did they actually understand what the role of music therapy is and the difference between music therapy versus entertainment? Yes. Um, yeah, 10 years ago, I think there was, there was a... a, a there was a, a, a knowledge of of music therapy, probably less so than than today. Um, I I mean, I first came across music therapy actually uh, in the nineteen nineties when I did uh, music uh, a music degree in London, and one of the units of work there was uh, music therapy, and that was where I first came across. Um, music therapy and aged care when I went on a prac to see uh, just to work with a qualified music therapist so it you know it, it's been an area of it's been an area where music therapy has been practiced for quite some time um, when I first started working I, I, I sort of, well I initially went I actually sent out a lot of letters to a lot of nursing their aged care facilities near me to gauge some interest um some some came back and asked for a one-off session uh and then it, it sort of built up over time um and word of mouth really so it was just something that organically grew over time and yes this was something that organically grew over time um and it was usually word of mouth that i would get where i where i currently am it was word of mouth and uh, a previous position that i had where i was visiting people in their own homes again that was through uh, one of the managers there who'd heard about music therapy and i think did a search on the music therapy website and found mine probably some other names and phoned around um so yeah i think uh, because music therapy is probably more well known um people do know to do the old google search and find people uh, find music therapists and also to go to the web, you know, the music therapy website where we have find a, a music therapist there. So we are more easily found nowadays than we certainly were 10 years ago. Yeah. And so do the facilities uh, contact you because they have concerns about particular residents and they would like them to receive music therapy? Or is it more broadly that they would like to incorporate music therapy into, you know, their. Mm. My feeling is that. They, yes, they would just like to have someone else in to do something nice for the residents <laughs> as opposed to for any individual um, resident. I can't speak for them, obviously, but I, I, I think that's my feeling that, um, you know, that that's where they get the ideas from. And also because it's in more, it's more in the media now that, uh, that, that the idea for having someone like music or art coming in that is, comes from there. Okay, right. And so who determines which clients would attend your sessions? Uh, that differs, but usually in a, an aged care facility, usually it's open to whoever is interested. So there, it will be on a timetable, I guess, and um, whoever is interested is, comes along, turns up, can stay or leave as they wish. Once I've been in there for a while and I get to know more people, 
I can then request people to join or, or, you know, speak to them and ask them if they would like to join. So you personally invite them to the session? Yes, especially if there's a new resident come in, I'll go around and introduce myself and explain what we're doing and ask them if they would like to come and sing with me. I don't tend to use the terms music therapy only because um, it's sometimes I think the word therapy frightens people off. And also it's just singing has more meaning than music therapy. So if I say to someone, would you, I'm going to do some singing, would you like to come and listen or join? I think they are more likely to, to do so and to join in. Right. As opposed to saying, would you like to come to music therapy? Yes, I do actually have one lady who her eyes sort of widen when she hears the word music therapy. And then, uh, then we, adjust, we change it to oh, singing, music. And, and she, you know, you can see her relief. Ah, okay, yes, I can do that. <laughs> that is so interesting because I also hear similar, you know, as a psychologist when I do my groups or see people, if I say I'm a psychologist or I'm going to run a psychology group, I would have zero participants in my groups. And it's important to use the right language with older people. And Yes, totally. You know, when you say to them, come and sing, like how do they respond to that? Is there some resistance or do they open up to the idea of singing? Or Yes, sometimes, yes. Um, yes, because you'd be, well, you, you, you might be surprised or you might not by the number of people who tell me I can't sing for whatever reason. Uh, most people really genuinely think they can't sing. So my reply would be, well, everyone can sing. Not everyone can sing on the stage like an opera singer, but everyone can have a go. And um, uh, so I think, and I'd also like to, I also like to point out to them that they don't have to sing. They can just come and listen. And, um, and that's okay. That, that's usually enough. Mm, that's, that's so important, giving them that flexibility. Yeah, yeah. And so um, as a psychologist, I know how beneficial music therapy is to people with their emotional well-being. From your perspective and experience, have you seen changes in clients, um, you know, who attend music therapy or do you see, you know, visually someone coming withdrawn and quiet and lightening up as the session goes? I do, absolutely. I'll not say every session, but almost every session. Um, so, for example, yesterday I was in a group. There was a new resident, and he his eye con- he he had no eye contact. He was looking away. He his whole body language was that he just did not really want to be there. And um, I did offer him the chance to. I said I explained what we were going to do, what I was going to do, and he could stay or leave. But he 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 chose to stay. And throughout the session. He, you can sense a warming up, if you like, and um, and his, his eye contact improved. He contributed ideas, and he just became more involved. And then at the end, he he, he you know he said, "Yes, I'll see you next week." <laughs> and I I do see that. So and often you'll go into a session, and especially maybe in the the more dementia specific units where. The general mood might be sleepy, I guess you could say. And um, and I'm not going to go in there and go and be all jolly and try and waken everyone up. That's not what I do. I'll go in there 
and I will match the mood. So I'll start off gently and and then slowly try to warm up the room, uh, warm and, and, and address individual people and to see what they need. So not everybody wants to be jollied along or cheered up. Some people are happy to come along with me. Others are prefer to be left to sleep on, you know, in their chair. And um, generally, but not always, but generally uh, at the end of the session, after some singing or some recorded music, maybe some dancing, some instrument playing, generally you, I will find that the, the, the mood has lifted and people are brighter and, um, and uh, happier. I would say. <laughs> and so what is the background process that you go through before you get to a facility? Like how do you decide, oh, today I'm going to play, you know, the flute or tomorrow I'm going to play the guitar or I'm going to play this music or that music? Do you, do you do that beforehand or how do you structure your lessons to, to accommodate the needs of the group? Yeah, that is a good question. I will go in with a... A frame, if you like. So I will always start with the hello song. And during the hello song, I do like to sing or speak to people when use their own names. Um, so either eye contact using their own names just to show them that I'm here, they're here. Uh, then I will uh, sing. I, I actually have about three or four really well-known, familiar opening songs that I know that most people in the group know the words to, maybe, or at least the tune to. So um, we have uh, Good Morning from Singing in the Rain, then You Are My Sunshine, uh, Look for the Silver Lining, Side by Side. These are all songs that I know that the majority of the people know. And, and, and this sort of, from, I find that this gathers the the residents in it says here i am this is what's happening this is familiar this is safe you can join in if you like then after that i will usually have some sort of theme in mind based on the time of the year based on maybe um the weather based on someone's interest from the week before. The kind of thing, themes that I have, I'll have spring. So when we move into spring, I have songs about flowers, songs about birds. I also have songs, actually, one of my most uh, successful themes is country music. And that was brought on by, um, or the idea for that came from a resident who uh, I think suggested a song, and I can't remember which one, but and I, and I and so I came away thinking, yes, I, that that would be great. Let's. How can I incorporate that? And it happened to be country, and that so a whole new theme developed from a residence idea. With within the theme, there has to be some flexibility, and I have to be comfortable with that flexibility, which for me personally is a work in progress too. So I'm not going in there as the expert. I'm going in there as someone as a human being with good days, bad days, things I can do well, things I don't do so well. So sometimes I'll go in with a theme in mind and I might have a fixed idea of how this should go and I get in there and it's really not happening. It's not working. No one's interested. Someone's tired. Someone else comes in that 
wants to chat about something else entirely. So, so although I have a theme within that, I do, I, I am flexible. Uh, and then within that theme, so for example, uh, if I was to do flowers, um, I will, I don't come in with, I do have my list of songs, yes, but I try to encourage the residents to come up with the songs themselves. So I might have, for example, some pictures of tulips and I'll say, I have two songs about tulips and I'll just wait. I'll say, does anybody know any songs about tulips? <laughs> and I'll wait. Then it might, uh, then I might give other clues and I'm thinking of tulips from Amsterdam. So I might say a European country. Uh, usually someone will come up with a song title before that. Uh, if not, then I'll move on to a, a musical clue because often I'll find that people, uh, residents uh, may not think of a song from the, the title or a verbal clue, but once, you, once I start singing, it's sort of a game of name that tune in, often two notes, two or three notes. Oh, yes, go through the tulips or tulips from Amsterdam. So I try to, I try to get the residents to do the work, if you like. And the great thing about that is that often if I have, uh, I often get some fantastic song suggestions from the residents that I have not got on my list. So it's, to me, it's a two-way process. And, and I, think, I, I think it's important for me to remember that. And also for those watching that I'm not in there as a, an entertainer or a performer. I'm in there to make mistakes to maybe not reach the high notes, to say, oops, I got it wrong, and also to get ideas and, and, just, and just to get interaction and back from the, you know, from the residents that I'm working with. Um, then also within that too, I'll also have, uh, I don't, not every week, but I'll often have instrument playing um, and sometimes songwriting, depending on the group. Um, this songwriting I find works better with maybe in, uh, just with individual, uh, with an individual resident or in a small group where everybody's comfortable with each other. Maybe not the larger singing groups, and um, and recorded music because I often do the instrument playing to recorded music so that I my hands are free to uh, to have an instrument myself to go and model how to play that instrument with another resident or even to, to dance with another resident. Uh, so I find, I, find, um, I find recorded music very useful. And again, also when a, when a resident comes up with a song um, idea that I don't have, I can get out, you know, Spotify or whatever, or YouTube, look it up and, you know, play it. And there it is, instant. And I find that great because if somebody comes up with a good, with a good idea like that, I like, you know, with technology, it's just fantastic to be able to um, instantaneously, you know, play that song idea or, or even um, sometimes songs, uh, people, have rem people reminisce about perhaps uh, going to a, a theatre or a, a cinema, uh, you know, from, from a song and they'll give me the name of the theatre and, you know, I can look that up on on. on on the internet and it brings up pictures and we can look at the pictures from that theater. And then, you know, often that promotes further discussion and further memories of going to the, this place. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's such a rich, it's such a rich uh, profession and, and 
yeah, it's it's lovely. And it's I think the beauty of it is, as you said yourself earlier, is that you you don't really know what you're in for, and even though you might map out and say, okay, today we're going to do this type of music, it might change on the day. So that's quite right. And uh, and we did I did learn when I when I studied music therapy at UTS, one of the one of the lecturers. Did, you know, the, the discussion was all about being comfortable with not knowing. And that's quite a hard thing to be comfortable with not knowing how this session is going to go or how this song is going to go, but trusting in yourself that, well, whatever way it's going to go, it'll be okay. And, and that takes time. Yeah. And that's the therapy side of it, isn't it? It's the. Yes. That's personal therapy as well as, <laughs> as well as group therapy. But it's an important thing, you know, to, to, to be flexible because you really, you know, with, especially in, in, in a dementia-specific unit, you really don't often know what's going to happen. And sometimes, you know, I'll go in and I think, yes, today I'll play instruments. And sometimes I'll go in and really not feel like it myself. And, you know, if, if I'm not comfortable doing something, then the residents know that and they're not comfortable doing something. Um, so it's important to me personally to have that flexibility, but yes, you, you have to be comfortable and, um, yeah, and that takes time. That's, and I've had the privilege of watching one of your sessions, um, just in the passing by in a facility in Sydney and, you know, I saw you bring a drum along and, you know, initial reluctance, oh, you know, I can't touch this. And by the end of the song, they're happily drumming along. Is that what tends to happen frequently, that you've got that initial, oh, I can't do this, before they embrace? Yes, that happens. Yes, that does happen sometimes with instruments. Um, and, you know, it's important then for me uh, to know that person because often I know that that person is, is musical and has good rhythm because, you know, I'll have, I will have observed it, the way they tap their feet, the way they sing the song. You know, I'll have, I'll, I will have observed uh, a musicality and I'll know that, they're, that they will be okay if they have a go. And even if they're not, I don't mind. I don't care as long as, as long as they're comfortable having a go. Some people are more than happy to have a go and don't care what the outcome is. And that's fantastic. And as you said, some other people just require that little bit of um, just a little gentle push into trying it out. And often that'll start with... Uh, me on one side of the drum, them on the other, just doing some gentle playing to the beat. And, you know, and, and then they can copy what I'm doing. And then I will gradually move away, you know, stop what I'm doing, move away. And yeah, they'll just continue on and, and be happy about it. That's amazing. And I know just, you know, taking my my toddler to music classes on a weekly basis, and they've had these drums that they tap and then they start off with row, row, row your boat and they actually sit by the drum and to to watch, you know, initially her reluctance to even, you know, touch the drum and now when we go, she sits very happily in it but she knows when the, you know, the tune of the song is finishing, she knows to jump out of it and, you know, you're right. It's just it takes time and we can't expect people straight away to know what to do or how how to engage with music and instruments and no that's right and you know it's like it's like how I feel some days some days I'll feel like trying something out some days not so if somebody says no I don't feel like that that's fine I'll move on but I will try again the next time 
And sometimes by week two or week three, yeah, they will try. And, and that's nice to see because I think, especially in a group situation, people are shy, which is perfectly understandable. But I think, you know, once, I think if you are reluctant to do something, but you know deep down that you really want to have a go, and, you know, once you've done that, once you've gotten over that barrier, you do feel a sense of pride. And I think that's important, you know, and especially in an aged care facility where I think it's important for your sense of well-being to have a pride in, to have a pride in what you can do still, pride in your own abilities. And so how do you share those successes? Do you go back to the staff or, you know, is it just personally for you? Like, you know, you mentioned the gentleman who was very withdrawn at the beginning of the session and he he became quite engaged by the end of it. Does that feedback go back to the staff or his family or how is that captured? Yes, it is. It, it's difficult sometimes to capture because some facilities require notes. So I will put that in someone's notes. Some other places, I will have a staff member with me and they're there to witness and we can, you know, talk about talk about it afterwards or, you know, just that, that other person witnesses. Um, occasionally, sometimes if you do, if sometimes I've, I've done before with a, an individual, an individual resident, we have written a song together. And for that song, that's more tangible because I can record it or or write it up in a a book almost I've turned it into a a song book for this person and then given it to her and her family to have a look through um the little wins sometimes I just take them home and that's it and and they're and sadly they're not shared but you know it depends on if it depends on who's there what who what staff members are there if I know the family I'll I will if I see the family (laughs) So it depends. It depends on the situation. It depends on the person, really. Okay. And so you mentioned that there are some one-on-one opportunities. So how would that be arranged uh, through facility or the family, or how can people? Um, yeah. Well, it's uh, through. Well, in a facility, it is. It happens in several ways. There, there it happens if if someone, a staff member, is able to tell me that a particular resident. They know that a resident likes music but is not able to leave their room for whatever reason. Then often that's how an individual session will happen. Um, another way is perhaps if, if someone has been in a group and, and I know them, uh, then if they are no longer able to, group, to be in that group or, for example, if they're just not as well. And I'm thinking more of the dementia-specific unit again. Sometimes people are able to come out into the group and then, you know, other weeks uh, I'm thinking of a lady and she just cannot, she just doesn't want to come out of her room. In that case, I know her, I know her well, I know that she likes music, so I will. I can go to her room and she will then happily have maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes of music in her room. Sometimes an individual session is, it's just part of a flexible situation because I'm thinking of perhaps of a group, uh, again, in the dementia-specific unit. I, I, I'm thinking of a group that I had yesterday, but the group, most of the, many of the members of the group were not, well, they were asleep, actually. <laughs> so, but one man was not. So I just, 
moved from being in a group situation to an individual where I could I just sat beside him uh, and we uh, and the session was directed towards him and his needs and his likes and then ever you know they anyone in the background could still hear what was going on and then as they woke up or became more engaged then I could draw them into so it's a sort of an individual with a group within a group situation if you understand what I mean and yeah okay and so so is it that you decide to go and see these people outside of the group setting and spend one-on-one time or do you do you get remunerated for that one-on-one time with some residents uh, no this is all within the allotted time this would happen and that is that is difficult because depending on the facility and depending on how much time that they hire me for or pay me for uh, will depend on on how much time I've I've got to go and and on, on how much how flexible I am able to be. So, for instance, one place I'm uh, I'm in for an hour. Well, I'll do a group within that hour, but I just don't have time to go and visit anyone on an individual basis as much as I'd like to. The another facility I'm I, I'm in there for two hours. So within that, I can do. Uh, one or two groups, but there's still time to go and visit someone on an individual basis. Um, I have also uh, worked for an outside com- an outside uh, organization where I have gone and visited people in their own home, and uh, and that that's that's very rewarding. That's very different because you're it's very it's personal because you're in their house, and um, and it's individual. Sometimes there's a family member there, and uh, sometimes not, um, and that's rewarding. And that's very different again because just working, planning a session for an individual is just, you know, it's very different for a group because a group you have to consider. Although you're still addressing individual needs, you still have to consider the group as a whole, as a cohort. Yeah, that's right. And so, what you're saying is that ideally the facility would have you there for longer, perhaps half a day or so, so that you could do individualized visits, you could do dementia specific, you could do something with um, higher functioning residents and accommodate the music needs accordingly. Because I, I presume what you would also see in your role is that sometimes they bring people from all different levels of cognition and abilities to a class and I presume that it would be difficult to entertain them if they've got different abilities in in a group setting. Yes, that's true. And some some facilities do hire music therapists uh, as staff. Um, it's just that my particular experience is is not, and that happens to suit me at, at this present time anyway. Um, but I, you know, in an ideal world, I think a music therapist would be a staff member would be there. Um, doing some groups, large groups, singing groups, maybe a songwriting group, and then also to be there if someone is distressed to maybe go and play some calming music or it, that would be ideal. But um, we're not there yet. We are with some facilities, I have to say. Uh, but in general, I think we're still somewhere halfway between the music lady slash entertainer and you know the, the the therapist. I think we're we're on the right track and we're getting there, but we're probably about halfway there. 
And so to work on that therapy side of things and perhaps incorporating some of that reminiscence and, 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 and allowing, you know, people to express themselves more so through music and yes that would yes that's right so to be able to you know that individual means of expression where you know you might do some more improvisation or songwriting or yeah that that's the psychology work I guess you could say Uh, that takes time and sadly that's just not always available Mm. well hopefully when I do a follow-up interview with you next year it will all change Tell me that you inundated with requests for one-on-one sessions, but... You never know. Yeah, you never know. And I think just to keep doing what you're doing because it's so valuable. And as we move more towards non-pharmacological strategies to boost well-being in all the people, I can only assume that your workload will increase because there's a huge difference between what you do as a music therapist as opposed to putting Andre Ryu on repeat. <laughs> And, and I often refer to that in, in training sessions and I say, it's not good to have Andre Ryu or repeat and, you know, some facility says, but yeah, but the residents like it. And I, and I understand that. But when we look at that individualized approach and, and ability to adapt, which is exactly what you do through your sessions, I think you can't replace a video with that. That's right. Look, you know, and I'd rather have Andre Rio than, you know, for example, some of the the um the daytime dramas that come on because I have seen people get a little get quite confused over the dramas. Um because, you know, sometimes there's maybe not not clear if it's real or not. So some music is better than none at all. But um yeah, you know, because as as great as music is, sometimes it can be not harmful, but not everybody likes having constant noise. So it it can it's not always it's not always beneficial. Yes. So that and that's why to have a, a music therapist or 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 someone in there who are who to observe what's happening when the music is playing is really important because it, it's the observation and and the reaction to the people experiencing it. That's the important part. That's the therapy part. And you don't get that with, with say, music in, in just put on the television or in the background or on headphones. It's the observation and, and the reaction and the interaction. That's the important part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully they'll, you know, this interview will encourage facilities to engage more music therapists and, and to understand of the important role that you play in in residents well-being in in late life in particular in aged care so i i look forward to you know following up with you through your journey and touching base and seeing if there are improvements down the track Mm, thank you thank you very much and thank you for joining us today because i think it's just so important to hear firsthand from a music therapist about the important role that you play in the lives of older people Thank you, Julie. Thank you for highlighting music therapy. Thank you. Well, that is another episode of The Voice of Aged Care done and dusted. Be sure to become a subscriber on your podcast app of choice so that you don't miss out when I release the next episode. I'd love to know what you're thinking of this podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. So leave a rating and review too. Over on my website, 
wisecare.com.au, you can find my free guide full of practical tips on supporting older people with cognitive impairment. Let's face it, sometimes it's the impaired memory aspect of supporting the aged that feels the most challenging. And I want to give you practical strategies to deal with this. Go to wisekit.com.au for your free copy of this amazing resource. See you in the next episode.